You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host. We are the go-to podcast for Penn State rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for everything Penn State athletics. It's a privilege to be joined by David Sisk to start today's episode. He is the basketball recruiting writer for Kentucky and North Carolina over at rivals.com. David, I really appreciate the time today. Yeah, Seiko and Cisco. This sounds like some kind of late night ESPN uh, radio <laughs> show yeah. or something. Yeah, uh, out on the West Coast, like <laughs> the the eleven to the eleven p.m. to two a.m. slot. Uh, David, before we move any further, what can uh, what where can people keep up with your work? Well, I'm uh, at the Rivals Network. Obviously, you can uh, go to the North Carolina. And Kentucky sites, uh, and you can also, well, that would be uh, Tar Heel Illustrated and Cats Illustrated, and also Coach David Sisk uh, on Twitter. All right, perfect. And, uh, I mean, the reason we're talking to you today is because Penn State is getting a, a North Carolina player, and that is Puff Johnson, someone who's a senior but has two years of eligibility left, and someone who was formerly a, a top recruit, top 100 back in the day, and yeah. just really never reached his potential. We're going to talk about a lot about Puff Johnson here to get a better understanding of what he can be as a Nittany Lion. But what would you say are the biggest strengths to his game? What what made him at least a decent role player over the past few years? Well, I, I want to start out by giving just a little bit of background. He's, um, he is the uh, brother yep. of Puff Johnson, uh, who was a very successful player. Came from Pitt to, to North Carolina. Very uh, successful player there. He's done well in the NBA. And uh, so, you know, a lot of times when you have that familiarity, those family members, uh, you know, you can get a player, you, you know, like Puff, and uh, it kind of makes sense in a recruitment. So, but there are times I think maybe you, you think or expect that younger brother is going to be like older brother. You know, it just doesn't have to be sports. It can be all walks of life. And, I don't know if that's what the expectations were. I think they were that. It's it's probably not fair. But, you know, he's had some things. Had He's, he's fought some injuries early in his career. But, you know, he's a bigger wing, 6'8", 190. Uh, really, you know, depending on the style of play, uh, most typically a three. But it could also play a four, some if he's in the right system, more of a small ball. Uh, but – you know, he came in with a reputation of just a dead-eye three-point shooter. And, you know, he fought the injury bug. You know, he uh, played 14 games in 2021. He played 24 games in 21-22, which was the year they went to the national title game. Yep. Uh, but he was out for, um, gosh, I guess maybe about the first dozen games that they played that year. So he's, he's tried to do that. He's tried to get acclimated. And, you know, he, he did okay that year in a role. Uh, North Carolina played what was called Iron Five. They really didn't go to the bench. And then this last year, uh, obviously, North Carolina had a disappointing season. And part of the big point of that was they couldn't shoot the ball. And um, they people really thought, well, maybe Puff, this was supposed to be the guy. Give him time at the – well, Leaky Black wasn't going to leave the three. Maybe play him at the four. 
uh, put him in a death spot, and uh, this could be a guy who could make some shots and really kind of lift the team. But he, uh, you know, had trouble shooting three. Um, shot uh, he's a lifetime twenty four point seven percent three point shooter, and you know that's what his claim to fame was. He was a big wing who could shoot to three. He struggled from there. So maybe a change of setting. Uh, you know, it makes sense to recruit him at Penn State. He's a Pennsylvania kid, you know, from the Pittsburgh area. So, you know, I really feel like to build that program, there's a lot of good talent in Pennsylvania and you need to keep it home. So really you're looking at that. You're looking at a guy who, uh, like I said, he's a bigger wing, could rebound. If you look at his uh, numbers, and I'm reading it off here, that's why I'm looking down, mm-hmm. his numbers for 40 minutes would be, uh, over his career, would be 10.8 points, uh, 6.8 rebounds, and he would get to the line 3.5 uh, times or 3.1 times per game. So, you know, o- over a stretch, if he gets time, I would look at him as a role player at Penn State and a guy, it may not sound like much, but you've got to have these guys – I think a guy could get you eight to ten points a game, uh, possibly six state rebounds. Uh, so, th- you know that that's kind of the area that I would look for. And what I mean, what do you think ultimately led to? Because I, I like Cam Johnson's game a lot in the NBA. Uh, you know, he was with the Suns and then got traded to the Nets, and then yeah, Puff's not exactly following in his older brother's footsteps. At least the trajectory isn't there, but. Uh, all the all the untapped potential in the world is kind of what the takeaway is here, and that as you're saying, a change of scenery could lead to a better opportunity for Puff to be a contributor. I mean, at Penn State, do you view him as a starter? Do you view him as a sixth or a seventh guy off of the bench? What what can he ultimately contribute, especially if he's not? I mean, yes, the rebounding will be pretty handy, but if he's not hitting the three, what is? what can be the best aspect of his game that will help Penn State and Mike Rhodes? Well, I'll give you this answer uh, because I really am not familiar with what the roster looks like for Penn State. Okay. But I think I can give you a good answer here to kind of, kind of give you an idea. At North Carolina, a lot of people were saying uh, last year, like I said, that here's the guy maybe that could come in and be that other starter that they needed. And we're talking about after a year had already got off slowly. Well, Puff Johnson could be the answer. I heard that a lot, and I'm just like thinking, no, he can't be the answer. So, and here's what I mean. If you're looking for a guy and said, okay, this is our guy. He's going to be a scorer. He's going to make a bunch of shots. He can be the guy to score 15, 20 a game. I just don't think he is. Uh, I've not seen the consistent shooting there. I think he's a little stiff, to be honest with you. He's not – when you watch him, he's not going to be that guy that's just going to break down the defense. It's going to be fluid. It's going to be all that. I think he's just kind of, of uh, uh, robotical a little bit in his movements. So I see him as a glue guy, um, kind of – he gives a lot of energy. He's a team good defense, takes charges. He'll get out some on a break a little bit, but you'll even see on a break when he does that, they're just not they're, they're not fluid finishes. They're kind of manufactured. And, um, so I, I see him as a guy, if your roster, you don't have a good roster, and it's a total rebuild. 
And you're, I can see him, yes, in that starting role. But I can see him on a good team, um, um, you know, coming off the bench, being the sixth, seventh man. So, and, and like the thing, like I said, he uses some versatility. So he's not stuck in one position. He can play the three, he can play the four. So there's different places you can use him. There's different ways you can use him. But he's got to have that defined role. And so when you're talking about, to me, when I hear untapped potential, it sounds to me like, hey, if this guy's ceiling, if he really gets going, then he can score 15 a game, 20 a game. He can be the number one, number two option. You put the ball in his hands, he can deliver. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I, I think he's a role. I think he's ceiling, like I said. I, I think maybe 10 points a game. But I, I, I would look more, like I said, about eight points, about six rebounds, playing the three, playing the four, and, and, and playing in a specific role. But it's got to be a team-related role. It just can't be, hey, here's the ball. We're going to stand around. You create for us. He's not going to be that kind of player. The expert himself when it comes to Duke and North Carolina, the Blue Bloods recruiting expert over at Rivals.com. That is David Sisk. David, thank you so much again. Where can people keep up with your work? Well, you you can find me, uh, I guess, the best place, uh, Coach David Sisk on Twitter. You see that at the bottom of the screen right there below my name. Uh, can use all the followers. It's all about the Twitter followers, right? Yeah. 2023. But, <laughs> but also uh, rivals, like I said, the North Carolina and the Kentucky sites. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Today's episode is sponsored by Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories? Then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You got to try this. And if you're like me, where you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise all the taste, I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Pops. Built Bars are so healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing that you won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm really not sure how Built does this, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy, only 100 30 calories, 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, which you still can do, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today and walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club run-in, grab yourself a 13-bar box with hip flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Now on to our next special guest of the show, Ron Bailey. Welcome back to uh, Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and I'm joined by another special guest on this episode as we're previewing Penn State players that are coming in the transfer portal. And that is publisher of HoyaReport.com through the Rivals.com network. And that is Ron Bailey. Ron, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it to help us get some perspective on Caduce Wahab coming in, in the transfer portal to the Nittany Lions. No problem at all. I've known the guy since he was probably, or well, he was in temporary. You know, I know his mentors. Wow. I, I know a lot of people around him. We have a pretty good relationship. So I, I, I kind of know a few things. <laughs> so then, yeah, we're uh, Penn State fans are really going to appreciate your insight and uh, the analysis here. But so why 
then you know a lot about this. What exactly is Georgetown losing for the second time? Because he did this once, went to Maryland, and then mm-hmm. came back to Georgetown, and now he's going to Penn State. So, and and as he's grown as a player, uh, you know, literally, physically, and, and you know, mentally, and, and everything else, what is Georgetown going to have to replace this time around? As he's now more of a veteran player. Okay, uh, great question. So. Q had a roller coaster, has had a roller coaster career as it relates to, to, to effectiveness. His first two years at Georgetown were okay. They were solid. I mean, he showed, especially as a freshman year, he really showed some signs. He, he jumped ship, went to Maryland. It was a catastrophe. I mean, I don't think you can really label it any other way. Mm-hmm. They really stopped playing him as the season went on. There were, um, he did. He, he, it, it was they, they wouldn't pass him the ball. Many of the players wouldn't pass him the ball. It was a, it was a catastrophe. And then he came back. When he came back, he, to be blunt, he struggled last year. Um, part of it was the ugly, toxic environment that was Georgetown basketball last year. Wow. I mean, in, in the sense of not just a, a larger cultural issue, but the individual players. Some of those guys weren't great guys. Okay. So he and he and Q is a Nigerian. Um, he is respectful. He is not a guy to say F you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's not one of those guys. He'll try to work around the issue. You know what I mean? So when dudes are leaning on him, it, in my opinion, it kind of it kind of hampered what he could do. Now, that being said, yep. physically, he was hurt much of last year. He had a leg uh, injury. So when you guys go back and watch the tape, if you look at him transitioning on the court, you probably will see him limping some, a little bit. It was it was it was kind of faint, but it, it was a thing. Um, and then he started trying too hard, and it just went to crap. Um, you know the, the, what was going on at Georgetown at the time, which is basically the demise of Patrick Ewing as a head coach. He was he was, he was I don't know he was, had a year when Cutis came back. He had a year with Cutis. Um, that did not help. Okay, <laughs> at all. So I'm not just going to put it, say that the, the kid had a, a bunch of problems. There were some systemic problems too. But last year was not a stellar, a stellar performance. It was not indicative of what Q Wahab can do on or has done on the basketball court. Yeah, and I think that's uh, very fair to say because you look at his best season was his second year of college basketball at Georgetown when he had 27 minutes, over 12 points per game, and over eight rebounds per game. And I look at I look at Wahab and I say, if he has the right amount of minutes, if he's playing about half an hour every single game, he could easily average a double-double for Penn State in the Big Ten. Is that fair to say? If he's right physically. Okay. And emotional, yes. Does he have? Yeah, if, does he have the? Does he have the chops to maybe get a double double in the Big Ten at Penn State? Yes, but okay. he has to come in right, and he has to be utilized right. So that sophomore year, Georgetown dumped the ball into him a lot. Ewing was, oh, I'm the center guy. So the center in that in that year was was featured. It was the first go to. It was the first option. So some of his points kind of like were 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 off of that. He performed. But he still was a real, uh, you know, he was an option. He was a primary option. So for him to be a double-double Big Ten guy, if he ain't the primary option, he'll probably have to be, you know, option two, two and a half. Now, that being said, over the summers, I've seen him work on his game. 
One of the one of the problems or one of the the issues of him, he had no counters, or he displayed no counters in games. But we in uh, DC, they have a thing called the Kenner League, which is a is a, a college all a college uh, summer league where cats from different teams play. You you know what I'm talking about. And he would work on his left hand. He would go over his right shoulder as opposed to just forcing everything over his left shoulder. It was looking good this summer, this past summer. And then when he got to the he got to the, the the team. He got to the season. We didn't see any of that. So if I, if I'm Penn State, I assign a a a a, a physical a, a physical um a, a workout guy, somebody to work with him and sit on him all summer long. So he'll be in the right physical and mental space to get that double double in the Big Ten. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. We'll talk uh, more about how Wahab fits in with Penn State with Ron Bailey in just a second. Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special is here. It's bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams. First pick in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now at Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And the draft is when you listen or watch this back. It's already underway. So all the draft analysis go to Locked On NFL draft for everything from all the picks that are coming our way. Again, uh, Ron Bailey of the uh, Hoya of Hoya Nation on Twitter, the Hoya Report, part of the Rivals.com network. And we're talking Q Wahab as finally Penn State gets a legitimate big man. I feel like it's been such a long time since the Nittany Lions had a presence like that in the front court. And it's no disrespect to John Hara, but John Hara had to play much bigger than his actual physical size at 6'8, 6'9, whereas as, uh, whereas Wahab is 6'11", he towers over you. He is that true five center. Um, and, and now he comes to Penn State where, like you said, he's got to work on some different things like his counters. But ultimately, uh, I imagine that you are a little more familiar with Mike Rhodes' system since he was at VCU. I know that you primarily yeah. cover Georgetown, but that D.C., Maryland, Virginia kind of all interconnects, right? Um, now that you, since you are familiar with Mike Rhodes' system, how do how do you believe that Wahab's going to be used, and why he ultimately chose Penn State and not somewhere else? I don't think that they will use. I don't to to utilize Q Wahab to the extent that he can be utilized. They can't necessarily play like they did at VC as much like they did at VCU. Okay, meaning at VCU they didn't have a throw you one into the middle and get you uh get you one down low guy. Not uh, kinda. They had one in his – Williams was his last name, but he moved out to the perimeter, and his when he did, his touches ballooned. So, I love Rhodes as a coach. It's just, He will have to make sure Q gets touches. Now, and, and the guy doing that will be Ace Baldwin, right? I'm a familiar with him, too. He's my guy, one of my guys from Baltimore. And Ace needs to pair with Cutis to get the most – out of that, out of this year, in my opinion, because he's because 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 Ace is going to be the one. He's going to be the trigger man, right? And he has a yeah. very strong personality. That team's going to go like Ace wants it to go. So if Rhodes, in my opinion, if Rhodes, not even just schematically, but if Rhodes really wants to 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 to, to, to uh, maximize what Q can do, pair him. Make sure those two are a tandem, just and become almost like a cultural tandem. This is what we do. We're going to give the ace, give the ball to Q. Now, Q, you can't be the black hole. You got to kick it back out, too. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? We we have we have to have that kind of synergy. But but I think that that's how Mike Rhodes can really maximize what 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 Cutis Wahab can do. Cutis Wahab can do. Uh, final question I have for you, Ron, is just the ultimately the expectations, right? There's things that he needs to work on. There's things that he's been working on. If I, I know that he has battled some injuries, but it, let's just say for the benefit of the doubt, fully healthy, he can play around that 25 to 30 minute range that he has played when we've seen him at his best. Ultimately, what do you believe he can average, what he can contribute and help push Penn State along through the Big Ten? And ultimately, you know, the goal is to get back to the NCAA tournament. Can he help them do that? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> um, production, it, I think he can get, if he comes in ready to bang, ready to work, and it's kind of like, kind of like made to feel like he's part of the program, made to feel that he's important. I think he can definitely get almost around 10 rebounds a game. Okay. If, if we do that offensively, it's going to be predicated on his touch count because he's not stepping out to the elbow, shooting face ups. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so he's, he's a back to the basket guy. Pretty much. He ain't really facing up one, two or rip through jab, you know, go. He's not that kind of guy. So he's a dependent guy as it relates to offense. So he'll need ACE and ACE and their coach to kind of like make sure this guy gets a number of touches a, year, a game. If he, if he can do that, if he can get, if he can get maybe set to eight touches, get to the free throw line, remain healthy, I think he can maybe push around 10 points a game. Again, depending on how he's utilized. All right, that's what I'm hoping for because my immediate reaction when I saw, again, saw him at his best and just started watching some highlights, watching, you know, highlights and I'll dive deeper into the tape at a, you know, as basketball comes closer. But I said, I, I'm like, I really think if he plays around 30 minutes a game, this is a this is a 10 and 10 performance at least, right? Uh, you know, some nights he'll have 15 and 10 or, you know, maybe in the other way around 10 points, 15 rebounds. But I, I feel like he could average very close to a double-double because we saw it before when he was younger. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, just, I think I, I would just put the caveat, he, you got to make sure he touches the rock. If you're going to hit that 10 points, because again, he's a dependent position and he's not really like, he's not a, when he touches the ball, it's not like you see Hakeem Olajuwon, okay. Or the dream shake or anything. So he's more plotting as you see. So, but, but I mean, I really, I really do think if he has the, if he's in the right mind space, if he's in the right physical space, if the program embraces him because I really thought that he was kicked to the curb by Georgetown last year too okay Mm -hmm. that had to have and there were some question marks on whether he could have played during the game it got kind of like crappy you know what I mean yeah it got and that's that's no way for a kid to excel okay so that had to hamper his, his, his development and his production but if they can tailor some things to him work with him I think they could probably get a 10-10, considering that the guy that was there or is there now is not a 6'11", 250-pound guy. 
Yeah, Penn State fans should be happy based on uh, what you're saying. Ron, I, I really appreciate the time. Again, that is Ron Bailey from the Hoya Thank Report, uh, the publisher of HoyerReport.com through the Rivals.com network. Again, just uh, what can you tell people, uh, shout out about your work that you do? You do such incredible oh, yeah, work. We just there. follow everything Georgetown basketball to a lesser degree to women's, mostly men, recruiting, games, you know, behind the scenes, all-star games, summer leagues. If you want, if you have an inkling, uh, any curiosity about Georgetown basketball, come on over to HoyerReport.com and, and we'll get you right. And a new coach, so Georgetown fans should be just as excited as well. Oh, they're off the, they're off the charts about Cooley. I mean, it's, <laughs> and, and the reason being, it's a sea change from what was before, culturally. Yep. He is. Yep. He is. And so, we, you know, we, Georgetown fans have been kind of like shackled for a long time, bro. Like, it, it, it wasn't a lot of joy necessarily all the time, at least within the program. And I think that extended outside the program, to be honest. But he's engaging. He, he gets out. He's a, he's a man of the people. He's not an ivory tower guy who sits behind, you know, up on the ivory tower and looks down. He's a man of the people. So I, I, at very least, he will get a lot of people back into the Hoyas, uh, into the Hoyas pocket as fans because they're going to feel like you know, they matter. Exciting stuff. I hope we see both schools in the NCAA tournament uh, next season. Ron, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for the perspective about Q and uh, be well. Thank you. Thank you.